Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Shio Nagato, welcome everyone to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host Michael Owl, and I am here with Hank Owl. Hank, what are we talking about today? Uh, later on in the podcast, and the main subject of the podcast is a little bit of episode recap, little discussion, little argument about uh, the <laughs> most recent episode of Doctor Who that came out, that being Revolution of the Daleks. We are recording this New Year's Day, and because it is New Year's Day, we will start with going over our most anticipated movies for 2021, but also as per our usual editing and uploading schedule, if you look outside the window, you should see the 4th of July fireworks. <laughs> I'm going to try to get this one out before that if I can. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yay, 2021. Yes. So what are you excited about? So, but I think my most anticipated movies, and I'm going to go, I just did like a, a top three, and obviously it's everything is subject to delays, as we definitely learned from last year. But I think a lot of my picks, they're pretty, they're pretty set to come out this year if, you know, nothing, nothing terrible happens. <laughs> well, the, exactly. There's no second major <laughs> pandemic. Let's not jinx anything and make sure we knock on wood. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so my third one is The Suicide Squad. Ooh. And I think with my with my picks for this year, as opposed to the things I was most excited about for last year, they're mainly like I'm kind of like using reverse psychology on this, where I'm more excited about the things I'm less excited about. If that makes any sense, because like I'm so worried that things are going to be massive like disappointments. Like I have no Marvel movies on this because you know I, I I care whether they're good or not but really like the suicide squad like i don't i don't really if it's bad like i'm not really like disappointed by that it's just kind of i have low expectations for this movie which is why i'm putting it on my most <laughs> anticipated list because i don't have to worry about it although it looks good it's got a lot of things going for it it's got james gone it's very very proved already proved himself to be very talented and very funny and from what i've heard he's very passionate about the source material of the comic i mean i really know nothing about the comic besides it was created by john osterander and i learned that from james gunn well i so. figured you would this would definitely be on your list because i know how much you loved suicide squad oh yeah the first I, one. oh yeah we absolutely loved it that movie's <laughs> bad and i don't understand i'm sure there's i'm sure maybe there is rightful reason to it but the fact that people want an extended not an extended cut of it but a director's cut from david ayer like i already i didn't really like anything about that movie yeah i don't want any more i don't want extended anything for that one and honestly like i would just be happy if this one has less flashbacks because they use like flashbacks like 17 times in the first one they're so overused the crew assembly is that what yeah but then then throughout the throughout the movie but also other things going for the suicide squad is uh, Peter Capaldi playing the Thinker, which at least from what I know about the Thinker, which is very little because I don't know very much about comics. Maybe like Batman, I know a little bit more than the average person, but I'm down with people that know nothing on everything else. But from what I've heard about the Thinker, which is mainly from the Flash TV show, Peter Capaldi seems like perfect casting for that character. And I hope that he is kind of the main villain of this because that would be awesome. And I've seen his like, 
pictures with like the thing on his head and it looks I don't know, it just looks awesome. My second most anticipated movie is the movie version of Bob's Burgers, which is excited for the same reasons that I don't really care whether it's good or bad. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with it either way. I mainly anticipate it because I I just think it's going to be a fun time in the movie theater. Possibly. Do you have uh, access to when what we think the release date would be right now? Oh, I don't have it up right now. The Suicide Squad, I think maybe August. Bob's Burgers, maybe June or July. That's okay. probably wrong. I, I might, I'll, I'll pull it up while you're doing yours, and I'll notify you. That's a, that sounds I th- good. I think it's just going to be fun, and my hope for it is it's just like a longer episode. I hope they don't try to do anything really incredibly special with it. Did you uh, see the Simpsons movie? I have not seen the Simpsons movie. So I wonder when it gets closer to releasing if we should. It might be fun to compare the Simpsons episode versus Simpsons movie to the Bob's Burgers episode versus the Bob's Burgers movie and see if they take a different tact with it. But I'm just hoping it's a a fun, good time, and that's really all I kind of want out of a movie. I want to be able to sit in comfy seats, sometimes comfy seats, sometimes (laughs) sticky and uncomfortable seats. And just have have fun with the movie. Um, and if it's not good, you know what? We like still have nothing, the, we'll still have the TV show. Nothing. Yeah, like it, that doesn't get taken away. Like if I walk into like the Eternals and like it's bad, I'm like, oh no, I was, I am very disappointed that this is not good. But like Bob's Burgers and the Suicide Squad, it doesn't matter. They could be good or bad. I think I'm gonna enjoy it either <laughs> way. Uh, my number one, which I do care whether it's good or bad, and I am, th- I did not use reverse psychology for this pick because I am very excited for this movie, is Dune, which is just, I mean, I was already super excited before the trailer. The trailer makes it like just, it's, the trailer is probably one of the best trailers I think I've ever seen, ever, and like with building excitement, the score. Movie's got a great cast, a great director, and Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. I don't know how to pronounce his <laughs> last Denis name. Denis Villeneuve. I think I don't know. Uh, and I love the book. I think a lot of things are working together for this movie to, I don't know, perform great, but just be great. And this is one of those that I'm a little bit worried about because I just I, I feel after 2020, I'm especially worried about anything. Is that if this movie's great? I think it's going to be great. And if this movie's bad, I think it's going to be terrible. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Do you have any thoughts about uh, Villeneuve's comments regarding, you know, the simul- simulcasting, the whole debut with, you know, at home streaming services and the movie and in movie theaters? So, yeah, I think a lot of the problem people like Christopher Nolan and Villeneuve have had with that announcement. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not terribly excited. It makes sense. You know, I think it's less of like a, a general audience issue and more of an economic issue where like, I mean, people have less money than they did before and you're not going to, you're going to go pay to see the big Marvel movie and it's just, it's cheaper to see movies at home. So I don't think it's like, like I've seen a lot of people have the, not a lot of, I've seen a lot of people. I have, (laughs) I'm worried that some people are going to have the takeaway that this is like, Oh, like people are—they're not—they don't want to go to the theater. They're moving away. Like, no, it's—it's it's all outside forces. It has to do with the money. It has to do with what people can pay for and what they can't pay for. Yeah, and mitigating risk. 
Um, I hope it does. I hope it's a good movie and I hope it does well because I think one of his chief concerns was that if it does not do well enough at a box office, that the chances of getting to make more because there's many more books in the Dune universe uh, will be severely limited. Oh, I, I so didn't. Hoping, I didn't I'm really even we're at theaters, and I'm hoping it's good. I didn't even address the problem that Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan had. And the the main thing is that Warner Brothers, at least from my understanding of it, didn't really notify them of this. Like they really had no leeway on this decision that they woke up and found out about it the same way we woke up and found out about it. And that's just wrong. They should that's have been so poor. They should have been consulted. It's their work. It's their thing and they should have more control of what happens with Communication it. Communication is one of the hardest things to do well, and it, it matters so much. That's 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 disappointing. I didn't realize that. Um, well, yeah, I thought I thought that's what you were asking about. No, I was asking about his comments regarding chances for future movies in the Dune universe. Be, well, I, I, I hope there are more movies. Actually, you know what? I I'm not going to say I hope there are more movies because this is the kind of stuff I get annoyed about when I see people like talking about restore the snyder verse like how about we wait till the movie comes out before we decide we want more based off of that thing so i'm gonna wait till the movie comes out before i decide whether i want a whole universe based upon it and it's the kind of movie so if if we think that it is unsafe to see this movie in a movie theater we'll watch it at home happily we'll turn that's what i was gonna ask you would you be willing to wait four weeks to see it, you know, or well, I don't, I don't think no, that's what's going to happen. Would. I don't think that's what's going to happen with HBO Max. I think, from, well, at least from what I'm aware of, it's the same days it comes out in theaters. So, right. If, if, Hank, if, what, what I'm saying is, yes, we could watch it at home, but you know, would we say, hey, we're going to give it three weeks because we want to experience it for the first time on the big screen, and maybe in three weeks, like things will be better regarding health and COVID and all that kind of thing. Uh, if anything is deteriorated during the pandemic, it is my patience. <laughs> so what I would do is I would turn all the lights off and we'd watch it at home. And then three weeks later, we'd go to the theater and watch it again if it was good. He has spoken. I have spoken. <laughs> uh, what are your pop picks as I try to look at the schedule? All right. So there, there's a lot of great things coming out. And I'm really excited about movies again. And I'm excited about seeing them in a theater again, hopefully fairly soon. Let's go take that vaccine uh, today if we could. Uh, I think my, for my number three is In the Heights, which is, you know, the Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, musical that he worked on for years and years and years that kind of put him on the map. And it was released off Broadway when, uh, you know, as a play, when we were living in Washington Heights, which is the Heights of <laughs> In the Heights. We never saw this. We never saw it off Broadway. It went to Broadway. People loved it. We never saw it on Broadway. And I lived with like posters of this in our neighborhood, the Heights. All the time. We still never saw it. And it really disappoints me because uh, my partner in Inviolet, Angela, you know, was a huge fan of this show, you know, early on and loved it. And then we still still didn't see it. Is that the same reason we haven't watched the show Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Apparently, I don't like things that are too geographically close to me. Um, and we should do that. I watched the first season that I really liked it, actually. We just haven't done it. Uh, at any rate, uh, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think Anthony Ramos, I think, is the guy's name, actor, who was really, who was, really I think he was uh, John Lawrence and his son during the production of Hamilton in exactly. the original cast. So, super talented dude. Uh, he plays the lead, Usnavi, 
And uh, so I'm really excited about that. It looks the trailer looks beautiful, uh, gorgeous, and the music is incredible. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's a June 18th is I think when that comes out. Okay, good. So hopefully that'll be uh, something we can we can see in a movie theater. Uh, my second one I'm going to pick is uh, the Many Saints of Newark, and this is a prequel to the television show Sopranos, showing kind of where Tony Soprano how kind of he got to where he was. I'm sure his uh, dad, I don't want to give any spoilers for the TV show, The Sopranos, uh, for you. And I'm wondering, do you feel like you should watch some Sopranos? Oh, de- definitely. Oh, some. I would want to watch all of it, although we are the worst and we gotta get on watchers. That. It took us, like, what felt like, it was probably like three months, but what felt like four years to finish Ozark, and now we're never going to finish Succession. <laughs> and so we'll probably, I mean, we're probably going to have to rent the movie. Well, that's a whole huge Redbox. project in and of itself. Like getting us through the Sopranos TV show. There's lots of seasons of that. They're really good. Um, and the first four episodes of that television show may be my favorite four episodes of any TV show. They're just fantastic. Uh, great show. So I'm really excited about that. I presume, I haven't done any research on this whatsoever. I presume just David Chase, who uh, is the guy who's doing it. Um, you know, I don't even know who's playing, you know, a young Tony Soprano. Do you? Um, All I know I'm, is I heard Sopranos prequel, and I'm I'm 100% there for that. I do not. That comes out March 12th. Oh, wow. Or at least it's when that is supposed to come out. Okay, so uh, we got some Sopranos work to do. Uh, and the, the movie I'm most excited about uh, for 2021 is Dune. Well, same as you. Um, I think it's going to be great. And I think we're going to see it on the big screen. Great. And I think it's going to just be wonderful and so much fun. And I think we'll love it. So those are what we are looking forward to the most we're looking forward to in 2021. And uh, Dune comes out October 1st. Oh, we should be fine then, right? Yeah, well, let's hope so. Knock on wood, knock on wood. Take the vaccine, stay at home, wear a mask, social distance. Uh, so we can, so for the most important things in life, which is going to the movie theater to see a big blockbuster event movie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then going to a crowded restaurant with lots of friends to talk about it afterwards. Yes. Sounds like a darn good evening. It does. It sounds great. Speaking of something that sounded great. You say sounded. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's get uh, let's get into Fugitive of the Dadoon, which is the 2021 New Year special because they. I think you accidentally just said Fugitive of the Jadoon. I I might have. <laughs> I think you. Did. I meant Revolution of the Daleks. There we go. Um, which is the 2021 New Year's Day special because they do New Year's Day specials instead of Christmas specials. Uh, the first one this was... Is because of the successful war on Christmas? Yes, that's, that's definitely. <laughs> any Alex Jones fans listening, that one's was for you. <laughs> um, but the first one was Resolutions, and the one for 2020 was Spyfall Part 1, which I guess was kind of more the premiere of Season 12 than an actual New Year's special. But... I mean, we were really excited about this throughout the week. We've been doing watching their Doctor Who takeover, which, by the way, they aired in no particular order whatsoever. We well, were really annoyed <laughs> at how the lack of ordering. I think the first part of the week there was an order, and then it just kind of all like order went away towards the second half of the week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll start with an episode recap. This one has we start with kind of our companions, kind of ten months after. 
the ending of season 12 and they're they're they've been on earth jody's in prison i mean we assume spoilers by the way oh this recap isn't going to be that detailed because i assume you've already seen the episode um captain jack breaks jody out of prison they go stop these newer daleks being created by trump guy who looked great Oh yeah, the the new Daleks, the new design was very cool, and eventually they get some of the older, like non newer Daleks, to come and defeat these Daleks, and then they defeat those newer Daleks, and that is a rough, very little information recap of what happened because you've already seen the episode, and it seems unnecessary to do one at all. <laughs> Let's open the floor for general discussion. What did you think of the episode? <laughs> all right, anybody who wants to open the floor, okay, I uh, I, I raise my hand. Uh, I liked the episode a lot. Uh, I didn't love it, but the, some things that I loved about it, uh, I loved the prison that Jody was in. I thought that was really, really cool. I liked that she was telling herself Harry Potter. I liked that Captain Jack broke her out. I liked the little cameos we had from previous uh, with, Doctor Who. With the weeping angels and the silence and the ood and the right the, the pating, the great pating. Those were all so well done. And I liked her little comments about them. I liked the fact that she said hello to the cameras, you know, every morning. You know, I liked her routine. Like, I think that all that was beautifully set up. And I think the escape was cool. And like, you know, believable enough. You know, it didn't, you know, no, no little signals were going off in my head that like, you know, this isn't great. I thought it was really, really good there. Um, I liked seeing the companions and how they were dealing with uh, the doctor's absence. I thought that was pretty cool and how uh, Mandiv Gill was, you know, totally about how do we find her and how uh, they, you know, Bradley and, uh, is it Tosin, Tosin Cole? Yes. Uh, their characters, uh, you know, were focused on something else and, you know, like just their different expectations for if the Doctor was even still alive. I thought it was, it was very cool. All right, so I'll say that the first two, I'll say the first two thirds of this episode I was really enjoying it. It looked great. Lee Haven Jones uh, was the director for this episode, and I think he did a fantastic job. I'm not quite familiar with the other episodes he's done, but I think I've recognized the name. But he made everything look look very cool. I think he had more like a like a darker kind of color scheme than previous episodes, and I I, and I just enjoyed how it looked. Yeah, look, I thought it looked great, and like. At the beginning, I think it was set up very well. The stuff on the prison was awesome. You're having a good time. The setup of these newer drone Daleks were very cool. I found Trump guy less annoying than I did in the Rapids yeah, of the Chris, UK. Yeah, Chris Noth was great. Uh, <laughs> you, I, every time we have this like conversations like off the podcast, I'll say Trump guy, and you'll say, and you'll correct me as Chris Noth. I'm sorry, I'm a Chris Noth fan, so I want his name out there. He was on Law and Order for forever. Hank. And so when we lived in New York, certainly we're watching every single every law and order, you know, because, you know, New York actors work on it all the time and you want to know who they are and know the thing. Anyway, so I'm a fan. So, yeah, I say his name. Um, I found him less annoying than I did in the first one. The, the design for the new Daleks was cool. I think the idea of getting the older Daleks back in looked very cool. I don't know what it was about the way that these daleks looked not the newer ones the older daleks look and the way they sounded that made me so nostalgic for like season one or series one like the i think i think they looked similar to those daleks and they probably looked similar to how daleks appeared in new and old who 
but that just made me feel I, I really liked what I was feeling from that it was all so cool and similar and and what we've kind of come to know from Chibnall's writing in these is that it kind of falls apart near the end like the pacing is a little weird it speeds up like the climax was kind of like and it's been like this for other episodes the doctor kind of just explaining how she beat them i feel like it's very good it's, it's a little rushed near the end and like we said this with the uh don't know if we even recorded a podcast on this one but the like can they hear me or can you can you hear me i think was the name of the episode which had a great setup and an interesting villain and the ending just made you feel terrible about it yeah i think part of the reason why we're so uh, why we are disappointed and kind of in the the quickness of the resolution is because of the great choices they made in the you know the first two thirds we really were enjoying it i think it was a really smart move to have the trump figure played by chris noth uh when the scientist whose company he's acquired does this you know investigation into the genetic material of the Dalek and basically creates this you know almost Dalek uh, that his reaction is not ooh let's exploit it for greed and money and rah 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 you know but it was like you know legitimate like what are you doing which is to me a smart choice and not necessarily the most obvious one you know I could easily see a worse episode where he's like okay, yes, let's use their Excellent. brain power. Exactly. So I'm really pleased that they didn't make, the, that they they made that choice. Now, later on, there's another choice involving him that I didn't like as much. But uh, I really liked that choice in the beginning. I think uh, the acting, the acting is, I mean, it's usually, it's usually very good. I mean, they wouldn't be on a show of this caliber and popularity if they weren't very good. As much as we kind of, were less or so on how the 13th doctor was written and kind of the more collaborative feel of the TARDIS and how she's not really taking charge in a lot of the episodes and ways we find meaningful. Jodie Whittaker is still very good. Bradley Walsh is still very good. Manic Gill is still very good. Tosin Cole is very good. John Barrowman is always excellent. I find it hard to believe that he can't be. And do you want to talk a little bit about the lack of uh, awkwardness or cheesiness with John Barrowman in this versus maybe last time we saw him? Oh yeah, do that. So yeah, so last time it was it felt uh, it felt a little winky. Last time he appeared was Fugitive of the Jadoon. Yeah, when he go. made a little cameo to do the very cringy line of "Beware the lone Cyberman." I mean, compared to "You are not alone," that's just nothing. <laughs> so there, it felt like a little. It felt too. Yeah, it felt cringy last time a little, a little bit. As much as we love him, but this time it, it did not really feel that way at all. Uh, to be honest with you, maybe a tiny cringe level on I'm immortal because that was just out of the blue, out of nowhere. I didn't, I don't understand why he said that. Uh, if I missed something, let me know. But like, you know, they're about to blow up the thing, you know, he's going to be gone. Nobody said like, ah, well, you're going to die one day. <laughs> no, I'm immortal. So like, it just felt out of the blue. It was great on the trailer. Like I loved it on the trailer and maybe that was why it was there. I don't know. Uh, but it didn't seem to make any sense. So that was I had a little bit of cringe there for that. But that was that was it for that. Uh, it was just great to see him. He's a good character. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and the acting's always good. Almost, I mean, all these shows like the acting's usually n- never the weak spot. Oh yeah, how do we feel about? I guess I mean we kind of gone over like the our general feel of the episode. Can we start nitpicking like we did right <laughs> after we watched it? Oh, I think I just started that. I yes. made I made the mistake of checking the Reddit. Don't do that. 
never do it. <laughs> Those people, I mean, they, they're they're fans, so they have the right to be. But man, Remember, they fan have some, is short for fanatic. That is true. <laughs> they really nitpick hard. You look at the reactions; it's mostly semi-funny jokes and just jabs. One of those jabs, which they stated, did actually annoy me during the episode, in which they're heading to Osaka, and where they're like, all right, it's three minutes to Osaka. Like, when when does that happen? Yeah, like, when has there ever been, like, a huge delay when there crossing been a, billions of light years like <laughs> before? In, in a, like, do we just not see it? Are they like, all right, we're heading to the end of the universe. It's going to be a couple hours. Yeah. I guess you know they just needed to get that uh, that scene in, and, and I that, guess and that was a good scene. They did they did a good job. But they should have figured Ryan. out a better way to do it. I kind of felt that way a little bit um, with uh, Barrowman and Mandeep when they have this heart to heart about the doctor. You know, you never know when the doctor is gonna gonna leave you. You know, as they're going to investigate this thing, I was like, maybe y'all shouldn't be strolling and just relaxing and talking and having a heart to heart. Maybe you should go and investigate this first, and then you guys can talk about that. So it's kind of similar issue. Probably I needed to get the scene in and couldn't figure out a smoother way to do it. Oh yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, that was the only really major nitpick we thought about. I guess. Yeah, that's that's the only one that really kind of bothered me. I think. Do you right? think they did a good job sending off Ryan and Graham? Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job, and they. I wish you know we've talked about this before. There's so much. There's so much information that we get now with television shows beforehand, because we're interested in it, you know, as well. So we also seek it out. But you know, because we knew that they were leaving the show, you know, right when Ryan, his character, is first like, you know, clearly upset and hurt that the doctor, you know, was gone ten months. Uh, it was just so, you know, it was just so obvious. Only it's only obvious because we knew it was going to happen that that was going to be the issue and thing. So I hate I didn't like knowing that and jumping to that um, kind of thing. But other than that, I really, I mean, I did, I like kind of like their send off was pretty good. I thought. Yeah, I kind of wish Graham had a little more set up, but I guess like in the relationship with the grandson, I mean, you would you would leave. I mean, that's kind of been his character, it's his relationship to Ryan. So it, it made sense that final moment um it would have been out of character had he not left yes i I, I would have at least i would have thought that okay another nitpick time that bring it you made me think of is lack of acknowledgement from them that she was in prison for decades yeah they were kind of a little too bitchy but like where you been she's like and she's the first thing she says hey i was in a prison that's what she comes out and they're like great well why weren't you here (laughs) (laughs) i was in a prison Amy Amy never did this. Amy had to wait much longer. Oh my god, yeah. Uh so yeah, I also felt that too. I was like, what in the world? Like, why are y'all being such little jerks about it? it she you, was in prison. You know who who knew who also wasn't a jerk about it? The Madame de Pompadour. And like he never came back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Said a nice heartfelt letter. There's no need to push her, <laughs> Yasmin. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that 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 that's a good nitpick right there. That's that's legit. That bothered me also. Uh, my I I kind of have the same sentiment that you do about the send off. I even even knowing that like Ryan's like iffiness meant he was going to leave the show, felt it like makes sense. Like I mean, he was clearly upset about 
Trump guy, also known by some people as Chris Noth, <laughs> uh, that was was going to be president because you know he's Trump guy. Um, so like, he was really upset about that, and it makes sense. And like that final scene with Graham, like throwing back to you know the beginning of Whitaker's run and Chibnall's run, and the, the beginning of their existence as characters. Right, the bike, the bike. Which his Ryan's disease only appears when like he's, <laughs> you brought this up and they did the stuff with the basketball and the bomb the last season, but it's very rarely does this come into play. It just seems such an odd choice, like to make the character have that if you're not gonna like use it and develop it like over a long term kind of thing, you know? I don't know. And also like. It made it seem like there was going to be, like, the Graham and Ryan show. Maybe it's because Star Wars just came out with all these spinoffs. Like, that I was just like, are we just, are we going to be like, Graham and Ryan will return well, December be- 2021. Exactly. And because also the dialogue was not good. Like, that scene wasn't good. Like, they both had all the information, like, hey, with these psychic papers, we can go anywhere. Yeah, you both know that. And in fact, almost that exact line was earlier in the movies. I mean, early TV shows, somebody else said that. Like, it just felt completely, it's just, it was not great writing. Also, like, you know, I just checked my phone and it says that these gravel people, like, what's the joke you made? Like, what internet do you have? Yeah, what phone, what internet? And Graham's like, oh, yeah, I saw. There's a, and there's a troll and there's a bomb. Something's happening on Mercury or whatever. You know, like, I don't know. Just, again, it did not feel like a real grounded conversation and we had just had a whole episode full of really great real grounded conversations uh, so that yeah that was pretty cheesy and it did seem like the, we're gonna have the Graham and Ryan show coming up okay um, nitpick numero trace is that when Trump guy aka Chris Noth wants to like is going to like talk with the Daleks and like and Jody or not Jody, uh, the doctor does absolutely nothing to stop him. I mean, the two things that he could possibly do are one, get killed, and like the doctors we like, I feel like they'd be pretty opposed to watching someone go and get killed. Yeah, and they would totally like roll up on that kind of buffoonery. Like we've seen like David Tennant's doctor, we've seen, you know, Matt Smith's doctor, we've seen Capaldi, like. When 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 faced with somebody of his like kind of ego and buffoonery, you know, completely just roll them up. Um, and this was the moment I was talking about earlier, where I was you know happy that Chibnall had him not be like, "Oh, Daleks, this capitalize." This felt, I mean, it felt really sleek. It just felt, it just felt weird. It felt like there's no way he would do that. Anybody would do that. Um, it reminded me of Die Hard. But Die Hard scene was much more believable when, like, the cocaine addicted uh, executive tries to, you know, wheel and deal with Hans Gruber, you know, like, Hans, Bubby, I'm your white knight. That scene, like, felt the same kind of scene, much more believable. Like, these are aliens. He just traveled into TARDIS. What is he going to go negotiate, like, a deal with them? I mean, come on. It just seems silly. I I feel like if the doctor, we want what we want out of this doctor. I think is a little more backbone. Want to be like, want him to be more her. We want her to be more like 
powerful. We want her to be BA. We want her to like have these grand speeches, and she does sometimes. But I mean, I feel like less often than the doctors normally do. We want her to have these like grand planet-saving gestures that I feel like she doesn't have, and sometimes she does. Sometimes she is BA, but it's usually in these like three-minute climaxes where just she explains how she beat the villain they have not yes you're exactly right she does have these moments but they're very quick and in the wrap-up and what they haven't written her to have is very much gravitas you know that thing where you walk in a room like or in other episodes where like oh what what you're you're the doctor oh my god i know all about you you're the doctor or like i can sense your power your presence i, I respect you know what i'm saying like they haven't written her to have gravitas and i miss that uh, and maybe it's because maybe that's part of her character journey, though, with this whole thing that happened last last season and her, you know, and she talked about it in this episode. And I thought these were good moments of like, I don't know who I am, who I am I. And then she's like, I am the person who stops the Daleks. Like, that was close, but it just didn't quite get there, did it? Yeah, no. When that line, I felt like that would be a pretty awesome line. But like 10 minutes ago, you said, who am I? Like, there hasn't been enough build up it doesn't feel like you've earned that. Yeah, it almost worked, but not quite. And again, it's, and I don't think it's the actor. I think and it's I, the writing. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm like, if I'm nitpicking it too much. Like, am I becoming the kind of like toxic sci-fi fan who I'd like dislike, who spends all the time nitpicking it? Like, I, I, I don't think I am. I think there is actually a decline in quality from what it was previously. Like, I'm not the quartering. You're not the wedding? The quartering. It's a YouTuber who does a lot of the stuff that I don't like. <laughs> okay. No, I don't think you're being that. I think you're just, you're having an opinion, you're stating it, and you're not, I mean, we're being nitpicking, we're, but we're being, we're self-aware. We're being nitpicking. And overall, we both liked the episode. So, like, we also stated that, too. So, I don't think you're in danger of being that guy in the back of the room just hurling, you know, rocks and insults or whatever at the, at people doing things. Um but I could be wrong. <laughs> no, I don't I, think so. I think all. that I think that kind of that ends our our general discussion section. Prediction time. There isn't a lot to predict. There is, I guess, he's, she's going to try to find out more about herself. We're going to go more on the timeless children. I hope because the timeless children. I mean, if I got at least from what I've seen, and maybe I'm just looking at the wrong places, I got a fairly negative response. I feel like. And I'm, I don't want Chibnall to back down from it. I want him to, to keep going with the Timeless Children. Like, let's run in some, some more Doctors we forgot about. Let's learn more about his extended version of the Doctor's origin story. And I guess it, you know, it was brought up sometimes in Old, Who, in Old Who that she was more than just a normal Time Lord. But I, 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 I don't want Chibnall to take... I got don't don't listen to the haters. I guess I don't want to be that guy, but kind of don't listen to the haters. Like just keep, just keep going forward. Do do what you were planning on doing, and I, I hope she continues. Uh, he, you know, continues to do that with the timeless child arc, and I hope they, the thirteenth doctor goes and explores more about this forgotten past. Well, we did have an interesting kind of almost like a bonus scene or preview. Uh, let's complain about this. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I was thinking about this when you were saying like being nitpicky and lobbing or whatever. Like, 
I don't know. I was, I think part of the, part of the, what wasn't working for us, at least in the first season and maybe uh, in the second was that there were just, you know, too many companions. It just felt like there wasn't time enough to develop everybody's character in, you know, 43 minute episodes or whatever. And so we knew that two were leaving and we knew who they were. And I guess because of that, I'd gotten excited about, okay, we'll just have these two go on their adventures. And Yaz, I mean, Yaz is like the one to do, the one to keep on. She has the most like... She's a police, policeman, you know, police person. She has the most like, kind of like, go get them attitude. Like she stands the most on her own, separated from all the other characters. And she was the one who was trying to go find the doctor. So she, I think the, her relationship with the doctor is closer than the other two. I don't know if that's really true, but that's, I feels that way. Also, uh, I feel like I... I feel like I liked her character more. I mean, Graham was obviously as uh, Graham. I feel like Graham's everyone's favorite of the fam because he's just awesome. And like Ryan, I feel like more needed to be done with Ryan's character. And they they did it a little bit in this episode. I, I liked Ryan in this episode. Yeah, I thought he I was like, really good in this episode. But Yaz was probably of season eleven and twelve the best character, the best human character, at least. So, so I, I'm glad I was I was excited to see her move forward. I'm I'm glad I wanted to see the Thirteenth Doctor and Yaz adventures. Yeah, and I guess you will get to see some of that. But they introduced a new companion to come up, and like they did, like the John Hurt War Doctor like text come up. Like he's a companion. We don't need to see a little promo at the end of the episode. And so that's what I, that's my nitpick right there. I don't know how it's going to go. I hope it goes great. Obviously, I love the show and want it to do well and want it to be great. But why are you promo? Like, are, are we that concerned that like the audience is going to be like, oh, two women flying together by themselves, like? We better throw a man in there quick, you know. Or like, wh- like, why would you, why wouldn't you hold him out as a surprise, and you know, or something also, to be discovered on the journey? Like, why are we? Why do we know this now? And that kind of goes to like the 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 wheels or I, the pop culture kind of media, I guess craze we have with the internet. We want to know as much information as possible so that people on their podcast stupid podcast whatever you have podcast, <laughs> has a podcast. Um, can can talk about it and it gets like views I sound like you I sound so old but I'm right <laughs> I am right like we I do not want to like I do not want to know about this beforehand I think it would be more enjoyable to watch if we didn't know about this beforehand and maybe it'd be less exciting and breaks between seasons if we didn't get new little info bits i mean he's a companion like why i yeah yeah i don't want to beat a dead horse but and maybe there are that being said i hope it's great (laughs) maybe that actor i mean we don't know we're not we were not familiar with the actor before no and i watched he was on longmare for we said seven episodes or 11 11 i didn't watch all that show i like some of those books um and i like the show too but so i but so i didn't recognize him for that but apparently he was a you know, an English soccer player and an English comedian. So maybe he has his like, he has his, his own fans. audience. Like I'm if sure. you're if you're a fan of that actor and like you saw the text come up, like like good for you to get excited about that. But I feel like, and I did like the way unnecessary. they did it with the horoscope. Like that was cool. So that was I did not get that, even though I knew there were like you had told me there was some scene or we they, they told us, hey, we're gonna do a promo of the new companion. 
I did not put together when he said like, oh, you know, your color blue, 13, the word, you know, letter D is going to matter. You know, you're going to have to go on adventures or something like that. I didn't put that together until seeing it a second time. And I really liked that. I liked that I missed it. And I liked that uh, it was there. Uh, so I hope I mean, we've seen like other comedic characters do well. Like Nardle was I mean, a little annoying sometimes. And Nardle was overall was a pretty nice character. It was yeah. pretty funny. So um, and Donna Noble, like the, the, uh, Catherine Tate, her background was you know comedy, you know. So and she was able to do comedic parts of that role and dramatic parts of that role. And I'm sure this guy can too. So I'm so I'm hoping we like eat or eat our words and we like love the character when he comes in at season thirteen. Yeah. Well, I, I won't say we're eating our words. We're not saying. Well, yeah, maybe we are. <laughs> maybe we would be eating our words. I totally wanted to work. I just don't understand why they did that. And it would have been nice to, again, to see the, and maybe we still will see the, you know, Mandeep and the doctor together, you know, because they got to meet this guy. But I wish I didn't know that was coming up. Yes. Um, wow. I think we, are, we, we said the episode was two-thirds pretty good and one-third we didn't love, but I think we reversed it on our commentary. We were two-thirds about nitpicky stuff and about one-third about what was good. But Now, a lot – don't get us wrong. A lot of the stuff was good. Like, overall, the writing was much better than it has been. You want to give it a grade? You it looked to? very interesting. I don't think so. I don't I think am. we should give – okay. I'm going to give it a B. that's a nice solid b yeah but like overall like this episode looked good the acting was good the writing was better than it has been and i had a couple of thoughts of like i don't remember what the moments were but i thought oh that's cool they can do this now it was something involving how it looked and visual effects like if they had tried to tell the story and tried to have that happen like in the 60s or 70s or 80s it would have looked awful and i thought oh that looked pretty great including the whole um the fact that a Dalek, you know, was could tell or this hybrid or whatever it is, like took over that person. That was cool. Yeah, we and they did that well. And those vats with the with the Daleks looked great. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that I think that ends our our, our nitpicky our our back of the movie theater laughing. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to what are you reading? What are you reading? So, what am I reading? So, I am reading a couple of different things. But uh, the one I guess I want to talk about now is I'm reading a graphic novel uh, of Firefly. Which I got you for Christmas. And it was a great gift, and it's really good. Uh, as y'all maybe don't know, I love Firefly, I love Serenity. Uh, great show and movie. And I'm really digging it. It's great to be with these characters again. Um, they're acting just like they should act, you know. And uh, it's fun. So... I am reading that. That's what I'm going to say. I am reading, I think the book title on its own is just called The Office, but it's like an oral history of the American office. It's by Andy Green, who works for the Rolling Stone. I also got this as a Christmas gift. It's a very interesting read. It makes me want to read more like oral histories. And like, it's honestly like less so like getting more information on the show that I enjoy. It's just thinking about like the effort that must come into compiling an oral history, like thinking of all these interviews and like, I assume like, this is what I'm imagining. I imagine the interviews actually taking place while reading it. I imagine he like records it and then listens back to it, writes down the important stuff and he has to order it all together 
it probably comes up with chapters beforehand and what accepted stuff. But it's just a very like it's a very interesting read. It's well written, or I guess with stuff like this, well documented. It's just an interesting read for fans of the office. You should read it. For our fans of oral histories, you should read it. It's it's just a well it's a well made book. Very cool. I am super glad you're enjoying it, and I, I am enjoying mine as well. Awesome. Are we going to do this again sometime soon? I hope so. We're going to try. Part of the New Year's resolution is we're going to try to record podcasts some more. Hopefully, if we have any listeners, that you'll have something to look forward to. Maybe. Like, I hope, like, when we look back at this year, that we'll have, like, 50-something podcasts recorded. I think that's a goal we can make. And uh, if you are still listening, thank you for being a part of the audience. And uh, thank you for your support. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, no. All right. Well, until we meet again, in a doggo hole again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Villar. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.